Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone, I am on the line with Hanbyul Ju. Hanbyul is a PhD student in robotics at Carnegie Mellon University. Han, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Thank you for having me today. So you've been a PhD student at CMU since uh, 2012, and the major focus of your work is in and around uh, an environment that's been built there called the Panoptic Studio. What is the Panoptic Studio? Yeah, so Panoptic Studio is basically a multi-piece system with more than 500 camera sensors. And the system is also controlled by more than 50 machines. So this is indeed a giant system using computer vision technique to kind of measure or sense humans' body behaviors. So basically, we are very interested in the way we are using our bodies for social communication. For example, uh, all these subtle facial expressions and body gestures and so on. And we really wanted to make a machine who can understand the body languages we are using. And in the end, we want to make a machine which can use these body languages to communicate with us. And for the purpose, uh, the first thing we wanted to do is we want to collect this kind of um, motion capture data of naturally interacting people so that we can use some machine learning technique on top of that so that we, in the end, machine can understand these kind of signals. And uh, that was the main motivation of this Panoptic Studio. And since we are interested in multiple people's interaction, to avoid all this um, complicated occlusion kind of problem, we wanted to make a, a system with many, many sensors, with many viewpoints, so that we can relieve, uh, relieve this uh, particular occlusion problems. Mm. And this, this Panoptic Studio goes back quite a ways, it sounds like. Yeah, so CMU has really... Um, amazing history on this multi-view system because uh, Professor Dakeo already started this multi-view system kind of research about, I think, 30 years ago. And uh, at the moment, the major goal is to reconstruct a 3D world, especially 3D object and 3D human body behavior. And to do that, obviously, this multi-view system is a really good kind of key to solve all this depth kind of ambiguity. At the moment, he already started this project with 15 machines, um, and it was extremely um, challenging problem at the moment. And our Panoptic Studio is kind of third generation, and our basic idea is, all right, maybe 40 or 50 cameras are already boring. Let's try to make a system with 1,000 cameras, for example, so, and see what we, we can solve. And, and that was kind of the beginning of our studio, and we particularly chose this um, social interaction analysis problem because that is indeed a challenging problem and very important future problem so the machine can actually have a way to interact with us. And so how do you frame out this social interaction problem and what are the different uh, the different research problems that come out of this broader broader problem? Um, so basically, you can um, easily consider um, natural language or verbal language problems. So, for example, uh, nowadays there exists a very popular commercial um, AI system which can understand humans' uh, voice and humans' language and use their languages to communicate with humans. But in that cases, the main channel is verbal language, uh, which has sentence and grammar or these rules. Uh, basically, we wanted to do the similar thing with uh, non-verbal languages. And 
for example, when humans are communicating with each other, we use obviously our verbal languages, but we also use our facial expressions and our body languages. And all this subtle movement have some specific meaning, which is really actually really hard to define, but humans are really easily um, understanding. And uh, so basically, so maybe social um, signal understanding is something like expanding the dimension from just verbal channel to non-verbal channel as well. For example, the input can be, in this case, um, a verbal voice and also images or motion capture data. And machine understand the meaning of each sudden movement. And maybe machine can react to the, 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 the input signals by using the similar output, for example, verbal language or non-verbal languages. And so one of the papers that we wanted to talk about is a paper that recently won the CVPR Best Student Paper Award, and that was your Total Capture paper. And the full headline or the full title is Total Capture, a 3D deformation model for tracking faces, hands, and bodies, which is right in line with what you've been describing. Do you want to start, uh, kind of jump into that paper, or do you want to tell us a little bit about where that paper fits into kind mm -hmm. of the broader uh, scope of research uh, that you're doing for your PhD and at the studio? Well, I think uh, by explaining the paper, maybe the concept would be a little bit more clear. Okay. Uh, so, so, yeah, so basically, um, so let's say uh, we are given a large-scale data set, and now we have some consensus that we can solve some problem using machine learning or this fancy deep learning techniques, right? So we have seen such kind of success in language part and computer vision or image processing part or uh, object recognition part. And let's say we wanted to do the similar thing for body languages. The problem is the amount of data is extremely rare in these body languages. And maybe the first problem is what kind of data we can use for this purpose, for example. So machine sees the world, maybe using cameras, and how can understand the, 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 the human's behavior. Um, maybe machine can use the, the images and videos directly for the purpose, uh, similar to human, because actually we are using our two eyes, uh, which capture the scene. And we can do some all this uh, visual uh, kind of understanding part. And in the end, actually, we know the meaning of each sudden movement of humans. But using directly images or videos are extremely challenging because it actually they are actually nothing to do with humans, but actually they are some pixels. And machine need to understand the meaning of all these pixels so that they can finally infer, oh, there is this human here. There is this human's arm here. Her arm is moving such a way. I mean. Solving all this problem from the image or video is an extremely challenging problem. So although this is still a very popular area in computer vision, using such a data set for finer uh, output, meaning understanding the social interaction, is extremely challenging. So maybe another way to do that is just by collecting a lot of motion capture data. Because motion capture is in a 3D space, and maybe that can be camera-independent, illumination-independent, and that each um, motion capture data, like for example, 3D skeleton, this already has some semantic meaning. We know where is the arm, where is the hand, where is, I mean, how they're moving in 3D space. And this is usually done uh, with the humans are wearing specialized suits with like, I've seen pictures of th these things. I don't know if they're balls or lights or exactly. sensors or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So this area is extremely popular in uh, movie industry and game industry. And these are main way to capture the real world uh, human body signal so that we can put that to the virtual world. Mm -hmm. But our idea is to use such data for understanding human behavior using machine learning techniques. So to do that, we wanted to collect such kind of motion capture data 
uh, a lot from naturally interacting people. The key here is, as you mentioned, uh, we really don't want to use any um, artificial markers or suit because that may affect the natural motion of humans. Uh, for example, if you are wearing this kind of black suit and let's say you have all this um, sensor or all this kind of markers on your fingers, maybe your motion would be very kind of non-natural. We really wanted to avoid such kind of cases and we just wanted to capture very natural human behavior when they are very naturally interacting. That means that the method itself should be markless. And this markless motion capture area is also very popular in computer vision and computer graphics because if you can do the similar motion capture with a single camera or just multiple cameras, that can be really great to provide uh, a 3D reconstruction output, or it can be also used for many, many purposes, like um, some um, action recognition, for example, or all this movie industry or game industry. Uh, but this itself is a challenging problem, and this is uh, especially challenging if there are multiple people because some part is extremely occluded, right? And our idea is, all right, we wanted to collect such data set first so that we can somehow tackle the final problem we are very interested in. But solving this problem itself is challenging. Then why not using a very kind of a good system which can reduce the challenge of this problem? so that we can start this project. Um, and then if this is really meaningful, then actually we can expand the, the project to more challenging environments, such as in the wild, or maybe you can try to use some YouTube video for the similar purpose. So that was kind of the, the major kind of motivation of our Panoptic Studio. All right, uh, this problem itself is too challenging. And even op, um, obtaining the data is challenging. So let's solve this problem, the initial uh, data generation problem or human body measurement problem first so that we can actually tackle the later problem. And our total capture paper is one of the, the, the output of, of our measurement step. So here we, we are interested in interacting multiple people, and we are also interested in uh, measuring all these body signals at the same time, for example, facial expressions, finger motions, and body gestures. Because when you are using our bodies, these parts are extremely correlated some specific facial expressions should be very, very correlated to hand signals. And we wanted to make find, we want to find some rules humans are using when they are interacting. So catching subtle details of entire body part is extremely important, but doing that is very hard, although we are using markers because of all these occlusions, self-occlusions, for example, um, humans, hands, humans have when they're moving their hands, for example. Uh, so yeah, so our uh, total capture paper is pursuing that direction, and it actually shows some uh, meaningful kind of uh, output in, uh, in, in measuring all this part at the same time. One question I've got for you about mm -hmm. this is, are the, the humans that are in this environment, are they just kind of naturally interacting, doing what they're doing, and you're cap capturing that and then kind of going back and labeling it maybe from you know video or audio capture? Or is there a script that they're kind of working against? And mm -hmm. um, well, I'll let you answer, then I, I may have a follow-up <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a very, very good question. Um, because um, although we have, we collect people uh, who, has, who have no idea about our project, it's very hard to ask them to do some natural motion, right? Because right, because then it's not natural. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we, uh, for the purpose, actually, we are very closely collaborating with psychologists, and they are actually very, very careful about that. Uh, what we are 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 doing currently is we uh, build some specific social situation, and we actually define 
some social game, uh, which is a bit a, a kind of negotiation game. And this negotiation scenario where three people are negotiating each other. And in this game, which we call haggling, there are two sellers and there is one buyer. And the goal of this uh, game is two sellers need to sell some competitive items to this buyer. And if the seller actually successfully sells um, the, the product within uh, on, on a minute of time, we actually give some bonus for them. And because of this bonus, this uh, monetary bonus, actually they can be really involved in this project because actually itself, the game itself is pretty fun and actually they can additionally get this money. Um, because of the reason, actually, we found that their motion became very natural. For sure, the, because of the, the, the special system, at the very beginning, when they first entered the studio, they uh, they actually see the cameras and they can they usually see the round, but we actually spend some time inside the studio so that they can be fully familiar with the system. And because we don't put any kind of camera in front of their face because cameras are all these cameras are attached on the surface of the dome. So it just seems like some kind of special room. And after some time, actually, the room is just somehow similar to other kind of room with some special wallpaper. Um, so we found that their motions are pretty natural. And in the end, we actually did some questionnaire. It turns out the majority of people completely forgot that they are inside the dome and they can fully kind of involved in this kind of uh, social game. Mm. And so for labeling, have you, uh, perhaps in conjunction with your partners on the psychology side, like have you developed uh, a taxonomy of gestures or some kind of labeling system or um, do you That's, have a mm -hmm. like a free free description of uh, mm -hmm. the gestures which I would imagine would be pretty difficult to deal with exactly so that's actually a really big question about this project because let's say we can um, obtain all this body motion capture data from this uh, let's say three people's interaction let's say we have all this facial expression movement. Uh, and this finger movement and body movement, then what type of problem can you actually tackle given this uh, somehow restrict social um, situation? Um, maybe we can do some type of annotation, but actually annotation itself is some big question, this prob problem, because what kind of label can you annotate in this uh, behavior? Uh, in computer vision, for example, there is this area named action recognition, but different from object recognition, Action is really hard to define because their starting time and end time is usually really hard to define, right? Because and making the label, the name of each motion is also very challenging because making the name means we wanted to describe the motion using some language. But language is in a very discrete space and um, it's, it's in a very low dimensional space while the, the expression, the signals we are using in our social communication is actually really high dimensional space. So. Uh, in, in that sense, actually, we don't try to do any um, so-called kind of annotational label. What we are labeling is kind of more objective thing. For example, who is the winner of this game? Who is the loser of this game? And um, for example, who is speaking at this moment? Uh, so that we can actually be uh, very objective about the, the label. And our scenario is something like this. So how can we maybe make sure that robot is actually interesting with the social behavior? That is another good question we should ask. And maybe our under our kind of uh, solution for that problem is something like the following. So if machi a machine see the world, see the human's behavior, and if machine can predict the future motion of these people, 
then that can be maybe a way to define that robot has some understanding about our social behavior. More specifically, let's say we uh, have all this data and we somehow delete some humans' um, uh, motion data. And can we actually predict, can robot predict the, 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 the person's motion, I mean, this hidden person's motion by observing the other people's motion? Uh, this is exactly the way we are interacting. For example, we, when we are interacting, we observe other people's signal and we're making some signal from our body and the signal is sent to other people and the other people are reacting to our signal. And, and actually, this is somehow the way we are doing communication. We just generate some signals using our body, send that the signal is understood by people and that is also, I mean, the reaction is also sent to us and we are just exchanging some type of signals um, and we wanted to do the similar thing for the machine. So machine is in the loop and machine see the world, machine uh, decode the social behavior of other people, understand the meaning, and uh, somehow predict the future motion. So this is a way we define the problem at this moment. And this is exactly what we are currently working on. I'm trying to reconcile the idea that you're not um, doing any kind of annotation with uh, the idea that you're able to predict motion. But I, I'm imagining mm -hmm. you're not predicting the label of some motion, you're just, you're trying to predict motion itself. So, you know, where is the, you know, the hand going to be at some future time based on uh, some set of interactions as opposed to, you know, what's the name of the gesture that the person is going to do? That's exactly true. So we just use the motion capture data as the input signal for this machine learning tool. And output is also uh, the similar types of signals. But uh, based on the, the definition of the problem, we can consider different scenario, but one kind of scenario we are considering is the input is the other uh, people's body motion, which is that's so the, the motion capture itself, the signal itself, and the output is the, the target person's future motion. For example, if somebody is speaking something, maybe our target person can be nodding, uh, which is synchronized to other people's behavior, or our target person would be maybe laughing or moving in a specific way. And actually, can we predict such kind of future motion of the target person mm -hmm. given other people's body behavior? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And so does it work? How, how It sounds like a really interesting uh, problem formulation. And uh, tell us about the system and, and how well it performs and then walk us through kind of how you build it. Well, so that is... Um, something we are currently working on and for sure to this problem we really need a lot of data because humans behavior would be very different given the same situation right that would be maybe very related to our culture or personality so given the same signal actually humans behavior would be very different so basically it's multimodal there exists this multimodality issue and our data set is never sufficient for that purpose. So we really need to narrow down the scope at this moment so that we can tackle the initial problem. And you can consider this simple problem first. For example, uh, let's say we are always considering three people's behavior interactions. And the input is two sellers' uh, body behavior. So we have this skeleton, 3D skeleton kind of motion capture data of two people, two sellers. And those are the input of our, for example, neural network architecture. And can we actually guess the gaze direction of our uh, buyer? So you can simply imagine that if somebody is speaking, uh, if although we don't have any verbal kind of um, signals, if somebody is speaking, there could be some speaking specific kind of body behavior. And probably the, the, the buyer's gaze will be on this speaker, right? This is some very simple um, kind of um, 
uh, scenario we can imagine. Right. So this is, this is just one channel, just estimating the gaze direction of the target person. Can we increase the dimension? For example, what about the, the facial expression? Facial expression is indeed some 3D face key point, or we can just simply imagine the mesh itself. So we have all these vertexes moving uh, 3D meshes, and this itself is the, the, the output of the network. And can you actually predict the, the, the target person who is the seller, a buyer in this case, of the buyer's facial expression based on the other people's kind of behavior? Or uh, another case is maybe location. Where is the location of our target person? Um, because basically humans try to have some distance among each other. And this distance is also somehow trained throughout our life. And we actually maintain some specific distance uh, when you're communicating. So actually machine can predict the distance of the person, target person, and orientation of the person. So this is uh, something we can imagine as a very low dimensional signal. And we can actually consider higher, higher dimensional signal. For example, can we actually predict the target person's skeletal movement or long-term movement or hand gestures? But uh, at this moment, all this part is still remains in a, in a very challenging problem because we don't have any specific uh, output in this case. But uh, this is basic focus of our, our purpose, uh, our, our motivation. Got it. So the big picture is understanding how to predict from these 3D uh, motion capture models human behavior in interactions so that ultimately machines could better understand human uh, behavior and make predictions based on it. The longer term goal to get you there is being able to predict on a, say, pixel by pixel basis what the future state of, of one of these participants' body position is. Um, mm -hmm. But the the intermediate steps to or the 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 near term challenges uh, and and that's really you know I think you sensed that that was my you know what prompted me to ask is it working yet you know that sounds like mm -hmm. a huge problem and it is so the way you're tackling that is these intermediate problems of can we track the gaze direction can we track the facial mm -hmm. uh, expression can we track hand position things like that exactly so. Basically, our current um, kind of problem definition is we want to make a machine to understand the human's behavior. And the way to do that is making some system which can predict the future motion of the target person. And there we can imagine some simple um, uh, good examples and application for this. For example, let's say um, uh, we have this um, 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 AI uh, kind of Amazon Alexa or Google Home kind of AI system, which is nowadays just using uh, verbal language, um, for example, audio or um, um, speaker. But let's say this small machine has video as well. So it can capture uh, the scene, the human's behavior using camera, and actually it can display some behavior using their own display. Um, I think this can be really interesting because now somehow they can understand the meaning of our BID behavior and they can react with that. Uh, you can also consider many um, interesting um, AI system or robotics system, for example, uh, if uh, there is just a toy robot which is actually interacting with child, and if the, the machine can understand the meaning of the child's body movement, basically let's say the, child, the, the baby cannot um, speak at all, but it can actually make some facial expression and so on and so forth. But still, maybe machine can understand this because human can do that. Mother and father, they directly know the meaning of some specific movement of this child. So this can be also interesting application. Also, you can imagine um, some application in um, 
medical area, for example, um, we have all this surveillance system, and uh, we need to maybe monitor the elder people's uh, body behavior so that we can somehow identify some um, um, unusual kind of behavior. Um, uh, for, for example, in this case, all this measurement kind of um, skills and techniques and this understanding uh, that their behavior would be extremely important kind of um, uh, techniques for these applications. And so in the total capture paper, what you're presenting is a deformation model for tracking exactly. these face, hand, and body positions. What do you mean by deformation model? Uh, so basically, uh, you, we can do some 3D reconstruction without um, multiple cameras because Kinect can do some type of thing or depth camera can do some type of 3D construction. Here, deformation, deformation model basically means uh, the human's behavior is parameterized by some limited amount of parameters. And this parameter represent uh, body motions. So body motion means um, each joint angle is one parameter for each joint. So we, we can consider some um, number of joint and each joint, let's say, has three-dimensional uh, rotation vector. So that is some parameterization for body model. And also we can do some parameterization for um, shape deformation. So we have, let's say, 10 um, parameters. And by just changing these parameters, we can represent the different size and shape of the people. So uh, without this parameterization, actually uh, reconstructing 3D humans are, human is more challenging because uh, maybe we need to reconstruct all this vertex, all this uh, 3D point of all this entire body. And, and that dimension is extremely uh, large. For example, let's say we wanted to reconstruct some mesh model for each individual. And let's say this mesh model has, let's say, 10,000 vertexes. Then basically we need to estimate the location of these 10,000 vertexes for each time instance. But the, the interesting thing is our surface is extremely correlated to each other. So our vertex is not moving arbitrarily. If we know some um, location of one part, we can easily guess at the location because they are somehow very, very, you know, in a, in a, a low dimensional kind of um, space um, in the end. So this parameterization is basically to parameterize all these variations of human body motions and body shape in a low dimensional space. But still, we wanted to have some sufficient expressive power to express all this body behavior and the shape deformation. And our total motor capture is Basically, so this uh, deforma deformation model uh, is actually a really popular area in computer vision and computer graphics. And there exists a really popular um, uh, deformation model for body and faces. Our major contribution of our paper is we build a, a model which can actually include all these parts together, including body deformation, body motion, facial deformation, facial expression, and finger motion and finger deformation and so on. And when you say you have built a, a unified model, uh, mm -hmm. in what way is it is it unified? Is it, you know, have you built some ensemble that does each of the things well, or have you kind of abstracted away from the individual mm -hmm. the individual parts of the body that you're modeling and really trained a model that can, given any uh, any of those uh, inputs, mm -hmm. produce a, an output? So uh, in this paper, actually, we uh, defined two different models. The first model is uh, more re related to some um, independent models. For example, we have independent facial model and body model, ha hand model, and we somehow consolidate together by attaching each other explicitly. 
So this model is called Frankenstein or Frank because um, the way we built this system is very similar to this Frankenstein's model. Uh, but yeah, the problem is all parts um, have individual parameterization. So sometimes they are not inconsistent. Uh, they are not consistent to each other. The final model we built, which we call Adam, is actually has single parameter space for entire uh, uh, um, a shape space. So if we change one parameter of this space. A face, body, and a face, body, and fingers are changing together, and basically defining this low-dimensional deformation space means we wanted to find out some correlation of different parts so that we can reduce the dimension of this space. That's the key. And since we um, built this model by collecting all, all this um, 3D reconstruction of body, face, and hands together, actually, when we built this model in a low-dimensional space. The model somehow knows the correlation um, across bodies. For example, if somebody has really big, uh, maybe face, maybe their hands would be also big as well. And by uh, somehow merging this deformation space together, somehow we can reduce the space. So the final model actually has such kind of ability. So it has some amount of deformation space, which can control all this body, face, hands together, and also all this motion. Um, uh, but the motion space is in a single skeleton space. Uh, and that means um, so hand cannot be apart from the body, and we know they are somehow uh, linked together by a skeleton, uh, which is quite important for uh, computer graphics area, for example, retargeting and so on. So yeah, that's the, the meaning of all this uh, total body motion capture and deformation model space. And so is the idea that you were expressing with the dimensionality reduction with mm-hmm. uh with the atom model that you know with the frankenstein model you know these parts are the body parts are you know more closely related we understand that if uh as you were describing earlier if uh you know if we um create a mesh model of the face if you know the uh, mm-hmm. the vertex in the cheek moves then mm-hmm. the vertex mm-hmm. in the eyes probably going to move like we with these mm-hmm. under these relationships are relatively easy to understand but on this atom model you've got the single parameter space and so moving a parameter may have implications in multiple places and so it's more challenging and requires a different approach than um you might take in in reducing the parameter space on the Frankenstein side or on the kind of ensemble side, mm. is it? Did, I, did uh, I capture that correctly? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, mostly. So basically, the reason why we built this uh, Frankenstein model is actually to build this ADA model. So, for example, for dimension reduction, we simply use we can simply use PCA kind of method. But the input of this PCA model is uh, basically the 3D mesh model of many people. So different uh, shape and different body pose. So that actually this PCA can learn the variation space of this um, humans of um, deformation and motion changes. But generating such input, the, the mesh data, which include all these details of face, body, and hands, are, I mean, making such uh, reconstruction itself is challenging, although we use many, many cameras because um, we are interested in subtle um, movement of facial expression, and we are also interested in this uh, subtle movement of fingers. And at the same time, we are interested in this large movement of bodies. So how to place the camera is actually a big problem because if we want to uh, capture the face, the camera should be very close to the face. If we want to capture the detailed hand, maybe uh, people wanted to use the camera, which is very close to the finger. So doing this reconstruction to build the ADA model 
the reconstruction itself is challenging. So we will need to make some intermediate status by using some already available 3D mesh model, a uh, deformation model. And that's the main kind of motivation of this um, Frank model, which is easier to build without doing any PCA kind of learning. And after we have this model, actually we use this model to reconstruct all these details together. And then finally, we reconstruct like 100 people's um, shape deform um, shapes and uh, body motions. And in the end, we just put all this to this PCA kind of tool so that we can actually learn the, the deformation space. Um, um, and there are just actually two big regions of doing that. Uh, for example, if we build this deformation model for entire body part, actually we can use that in the more challenging situation. For example, uh, now let's say we, have, we don't have this multi-view system, and now we have this uh, single um, image or videos from maybe YouTube or internet. And let's say our goal is similarly to reconstruct this 3D body behavior by the motion of the person. This is obviously extremely challenging problem because we now have single view and we wanted to get this um, 3D um, motion capture data. But since we, now we have some model which restricts the space, the search space to this low dimensional space than the original high dimensional space, actually the problem can be much easier because now what we need to do is just estimating the parameter of this model which can express our, our measurement, which is the image. So the major kind of, I mean, the main motivation of research is, at this total capture is after we build this model, now we can use this model to do this motion capture, face by the enhanced motion capture in this in the wild situation, so that we can collect more and more data in this challenging situation. So that is the major kind of motivation of building this uh, parametering model. And another big reason is once we have this parametering model, actually um, the data structure can be very simple. So instead of having, uh, let's say, mesh structure which has some arbitrary number of vertices, now we have some fixed amount of parameter to express the particular motion of the person. So now we can consider these parameters as the input of our machine learning tools. Um, thus that can be the input. So other people's motion is abstracted as a parameter. And then the, the, the machine learning tool produces some parameters as the output, which is actually representing some motion of the target person. Can you comment at all about the size of the parameter space relative to the size of a you know, your typical 3D vectorized um, or mesh type of model? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, well, I don't remember the exact number, but the rough number is uh, we have um, 21 dimension, uh, 21 joint for the body, and each hands, each hand has 21 joint, and each joint has three-dimensional space. So 21, 21, and 21, and that is um, 63, and each joint has three dimensions, so that is about the, that is for the, the, the motion um, uh, to represent the body motion. And we can also um, have um, facial expression, and facial expression is not uh, explained by this skeletal movement that is explained by another parameterization, which is expressing the, the movement of this um, mesh structure, and that has 100 dimensions. So 100 dimensions for uh, facial expression and about 200 dimensions for body motion. And we have about 40 dimensions to represent this shape. So by changing this 40 dimension, the shape, the size and the shape of the body bodies are changing. So that is more or less, I, I cannot sum them up now, but about 400, 500 dimensions uh, to represent the human's um, behavior, including face and body and hands. But the original dimension can be probably, if we don't have 
such kind of model. Let's say we wanted to do the similar thing by a mesh structure, and then the mesh we are using is around maybe 10K uh, vertexes. So each vertex has three dimension, and that is more than more about three, uh, 30K dimension. So we reduce the 30K to this uh, 500K, uh, 500 dimension to represent the similar thing. When you look at the, the skeletal... Uh, the, mm, the skeletal model plus the face, you have uh, several, like a hundred, you know, a hundred or so, a hundred and twenty, mm. hundred and thirty. Then you uh-huh. said you can reduce that down to forty, and then you said, um, then you started saying four hundred, five hundred, and I didn't catch where the four hundred, five hundred came from. Okay, um, so okay, let me try to explain this again. So if we just consider skeletons, which is kind of a stick figure. Mm-hmm. then we we forget about all this uh, surface movement. So we can consider the joint location for the body, joint location for the finger, and some surface key point movement of the face. So each point is a three-dimension space, and we can maybe consider all this number of 3D key points. So that is a way to represent the human body. But let's say now we are more interested in the subtle details of the f- uh, surface. That means we wanted to get the mesh as the input and output of our uh, machine learning tool. And in this case, now, uh, instead of just a um, handful number of stick figure joint location, now we consider all these vertex locations of the surface. So that is around, let's say, 40K dimension. Because to represent some details, we need many, many vertices. So the way to reduce this is instead of having independent vertex separately, now we already know, we already learned the correlation of all this vertex movement, and we can reduce the space by using the motion space and shape deformation deformation space. So motion space means um, we just keep the similar motion parameter for each joint, which is similar to stick figure, and shape deformation space is actually uh, catching the, 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 the variation of the surface of the, the, the given fixed, fixed body motion. So by changing this deformation space, actually human's sh- a surface shape can be changing. And by, and by changing this motion space, human can behave some body motion. So this uh, deformation, sh- shape deformation space is about 40K, uh, sorry, uh, about 40 dimension, which is really extremely low dimension right. because human's bodies are very, very, very correlated in this case. And for motion space, we have three degree of freedom for each joint, and we have about 60 or 70 joint. So that is uh, about 200 uh, dimension to represent the body, body motion. And also we have about, about 100 kind of dimension to express facial expressions. What you're able to represent with this lowest dimension, the lowest dimensional vector, this 40, is not just the, the stick figure, the body positioning, but also the surface as well. Is that correct? Exactly. exactly. So we have a, right. a function to convert these parameters to the original mesh space. Mm-hmm. The function is somehow fixed function. So given this parameter space, a parameters we obtain, we can convert that to this mesh space. So instead of keeping the mesh space, uh, we can just keep the parameters. The problem obviously here is the, 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 the expressive power of this model is limited. So for example, uh, usually, in nowadays, this model can express some um, um, kind of uh, some body body shape with minimum clothing because 
uh, clothing, modeling this clothing is extremely challenging because of all these variations we have. So usually when we build this model, the input data is limited to somehow um, uh, subject with minimum clothing. Uh, because of the region, this model can express only uh, the, the mesh with minimum clothing. For example, if you generate any arbitrary body shape and motion from this parameter, the output is uh, almost always this uh, kind of naked body uh, with minimum clothing. You've reduced the dimension down to this 40, and then you're able to use this this 40 to produce, um, you said a, you refer to it as a fixed function. Is this a function that's learned through a machine learning model, or where does that function come from? Um, this function is somehow, uh, it's actually a very common function in graphics area. So, uh, Actually, from the motion capture, if in, in graphics area, from the motion capture data, which is basically the uh, three degree of freedom for each joint, uh, we can uh, manipulate, we can uh, animate the, the 3D character. And actually, the 3D character output is mesh, although the parameter input is uh, this uh, uh, motion parameter. But similarly, we just use the similar uh, function, which is called um, linear blending skinning. So we have some mapping between the vertex movement and the skeleton movement. And we are just manipulating this skeleton. And then as an output, we can get the, the location of each vertex of the mesh. And so you've developed this representation of the body. How does this tie into the larger goal? Yeah, exactly. So first, we wanted to um, parameterize all this face and body and hands movement in a, 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 a common format, a common motion capture format. That was one of the reason of building this uh, model. And as I mentioned, uh, the final goal is actually to use this model to get the similar uh, motion capture output in the YouTube video. So actually we are working on this project and now the, the goal is uh, instead of having multiple view, we will just have a single view, a uh, single YouTube video, and we wanted to get the motion capture of the target person. And motion capture output has all these um, component, face and body and fingers together. This is ongoing research, and um, we actually get some meaningful re uh, results at this moment, and which we plan to submit that to a conference in the end. Um, so yeah, so uh, basically we wanted to convert all of our collected data to these types so that we can actually put this to our understanding part. That is the, the current one at this moment we are working on. And is, the, is PCA the the primary place that machine learning is used in uh, in this project, or are there are other places where you're building models as well? Well, um, yeah, actually this project is a little bit far from the, the popular machine learning area. This is more like a three construction. Um, and in this paper, what we uh, show is usually uh, this finger reconstruction and facial of face reconstruction and body reconstructions are considered as separate problem. But uh, we actually uh, somehow demonstrate that we can capture all these components together without using any markers. And, and to do that, maybe one of the key kind of contribution is we use this 3D key, uh, 2D key point estimation method for each individual camera. And in the end, we combine them together in the 3D space using multi-view system. And in the end, this 3D key point, we um, reconstructed by uh, using this 2D key point detector. Uh, it turns out they are working extremely well in this challenging problem. And we just show the result as the full total body reconstruction result. 
So in that sense, probably it would be good to share the 2D detection, pose detection problem our labs are, our lab is working on. And that is the open pose work? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So this 2D body pose detection area is a very popular area and one of the uh, most successful areas in computer vision in recent years. Uh, so now uh, we have um, really great algorithms which can detect this human's body key point, multiple people's uh, body key point um, in YouTube video and single image. And OpenPose is a version of that. And one good thing about OpenPose is uh, this has, um, this is providing all these facial key point and body key point and finger motion, uh, finger to the key point in a single framework in real time. And multiple papers, uh, uh, our lab has been uh, presented, is included in this work. And actually, this is closely related to our Panoptic Studio project, pro project because we are using this detector to reconstruct all the total motion in the end. And at the same time, we use our system to generate new annotation set to uh, train this 2D detector. So this is, uh, I believe, a very interesting idea because um, usually this multi-view system uh, has been used to reconstruct 3D. But now uh, we believe this multi-view system can be a way to generate some 2D annotations for 2D detector because sometimes this generating 2D detector itself can be challenging. For example, let's say, uh, this is one paper we published in last CVPR and the, the goal is to make this 2D hand key point detector, which is now the part of the OpenPose. And the main idea is very simple. We just wanted to make some data set for 2D hand key point detector. But just annotating this 2D hand key point is a challenging problem because of all these self occlusions. So at the beginning, at the beginning, we um, hired some annotators and we asked them to annotate this 2D key point given some 2D image. But it, it turns out usually these fingers are occluded by occluded each other. And just clicking this finger key point is a challenging problem. And I, our idea is, all right, if we can capture some data in this multi-view system, since we have 500 views, let's say um, we wanted to capture some finger movement, we wanted to annotate some key point of some finger movement, then since we have this many views, we can easily find some good viewpoint to easily annotate the target uh, finger part. More importantly, if we can have some 3D reconstruction of the, the uh, target um, hand, if we can project this 3D hand to 500 views, each individual viewpoint can have a new annotation by projecting this 3D hand to this single view. And we just use this annotation for a neural network, pro, um, a neural network architecture to train the 2D detector. It turns out this is extremely um, successful in making this 2D key point detector, hand key point detector. So in, in a way that is, it's kind of a specialized uh, mechanism of data augmentation. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, that's exactly true. But uh, in this case, we can use this multi-view supervision uh, so that we can filter out some noisy outputs. For example, um, since the original target uh, hand should be in the 3D space and our image is just capture of the 3D space in this 2D space, so ideally, uh, if we can generate some 
rays from each individual camera, they should intersect in this 3D space, which is the original 3D joint location. If they are not, then we can simply say that maybe the detection or 2D measurement is wrong. So we can easily filter out all these noisy cases using this multi-view supervision. And that is a key to make this um, uh, data augmentation. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Han, thanks so much for taking the time to share this with us. Are there any uh, final thoughts that you'd like to um, share to kind of close us out? Yeah, so um, currently we are trying to release entire of our uh, data set we generated from our Panoptic Studio. So um, people can easily download 500 videos uh, for, for the same um, input. And also they can get all these um, 3D annotations we generated, for example, 3D uh, key point and uh, also depth um, information or this 3D point cloud for the same target um, scene. So that uh, we believe people can use this kind of data to many interesting computer vision and machine learning problem because people now have some 2D image input, and they can also have corresponding 3D annotations, and that can be maybe interestingly trained in many interesting um, machine learning techniques. For example, given the single image, can we generate 3D skeleton? Given the single image, can we generate depth data or 3D point cloud? Because we all captured this all different sensors output uh, using uh, hardware synchronization and uh, the calibration. So this can be easily kind of, maybe maybe not easy, but this can be in the end used for many <laughs> interesting machine learning problems. Oh, wow. How many images do you, or videos are you including? Uh, not, uh, not uh, how many unique um, mm-hmm. kind of scenarios or captures are you including? So the original data is about 10 hours of many different uh, situations. So okay. we, oh, wow. we, we have captured, we have captured some uh, musical instrument like uh, playing piano, cello, and so on. And we also have many um, social motion capture results, for example, three people interacting. Um, also, we have captured some very simple um, example like range of motion, which can be easily maybe used for uh, much easier kind of problems. So yeah, and we keep collecting more and more data, and we try to release all of them in the end. Awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, thank you so much, Han, for uh, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. For more information on Hanbyul or any of the topics covered in this episode, visit twimlai.com slash talk slash 180. If you're a fan of the podcast, we'd like to encourage you to head over to your Apple or Google podcast app and leave us a five-star rating and review. Your reviews help inspire us to create more and better content, and they help new listeners find the show. As always, thanks so much for listening, and catch you next time.